Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Well, as we continue our series, Revelation uh, Blessings, we'll drop back into the book of Revelation uh, this morning, right, right where we left off uh, last Sunday. And uh, we, will, uh, we will continue to see um, in, a, in, a, in a powerful way. I mean, some of this stuff is, is almost hard to handle. Uh, the, the judgment and wrath of God uh, coming in the end times uh, upon the wicked. But again, you see in this wonderful book, along with that, the mercy and grace and love and blessing of God poured out upon the righteous and available to all who will come. Available to everyone who will. What we see at the end of the book of Revelation, we see all throughout the book, if we are, if we are careful and if we are looking, and this morning we clearly see it. You remember what, what the end of the book says? It's so important uh, that this is the end of the Bible and the end of the book of Revelation, and here at the end of the book there, is, there are two uh, calls. Let me read them for you again, Revelation 22, uh, 17. This is, the, this is the call of the Spirit and the Bride to come. And this is, not, this is not a call to Jesus to come. This is a call from the Spirit and the Bride to all who will hear to come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let, those, and let the one who wishes come and take, I, I inserted that, but it kind of fits, come and take the free gift of the water of life. Now here as, as God kind of closes His book, uh, there is the call to all who are thirsty, to all who will. I mean, it's so clearly there that this, that this leaves no one out. Now this is to everyone everywhere, every nation, tribe, language, peoples from all over the earth. If, if you will hear and come, you can come and take of the free gift of the water of life. God, again, as the book closes, revealing His heart. His heart that none should perish. That all should repent. His desire that everyone be saved. That everyone escape the coming judgment and wrath that's going to come upon the wicked. And for all to come and drink of the free gift of the water of life. We see it here and we'll see it all throughout the book if we are looking. That God desires that none should perish, that all should repent. 
This is, this is why maybe it feels like that he delays in coming. Because he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to repent. So as we look this morning and see the judgments of God, let's remember also the heart of God, and we clearly see the desire of God that all come and take part of the free gift of the water of life. And let's remember our our call. This is the this is the spirit and the bride. This is the the Holy Spirit filled church stirring in our hearts is this call. This call to come. To come to, to all who will listen and, and partake of the free gift of the water of life. Now there is a second call that also stirs in our hearts uh, right here as as Revelation ends, as Revelation 22 ends, and as, and as the Bible ends in Revelation 22.20, 20, uh, there is the declaration from Jesus that He is coming, and then there is the call uh, to come, Lord Jesus. Here it is. Jesus says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. This is Jesus proclaiming, uh, Yes, to the Spirit and the Bride saying, come, yes, yes, all who will come, partake of the free gift of the water of life, and then reminding us that He is coming soon. And then John echoes this and says, amen, and says, come, Lord Jesus, as, as all the saints do. This is one of the things that saints do. This is one of the things that the church does. The church calls to all who are thirsty, to come and, and drink the free gift of the water of life. And then the church calls to Jesus and says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. And, and sometimes we even throw in there, come quickly Lord Jesus. We're like, we're ready right now. Come on, come quickly Lord. This is, this is a cry of the saints. And we see the reminder at the end of the book and all throughout the book. That all who will can come and drink of the free gift of Jesus. And that Jesus is coming back. That He will at some point in time return. And these things will begin. And, uh, and we want to be found among those who are not drinking of the, of the wine of the abominations of this world, but of those who have come and, and, and are drinking from the water of life, the free gift of the water of life. So, remembering this, let's go uh, back to, we, we ended in Revelation 14 last Sunday, and we'll, we'll drop in here into Revelation 15 and pick up this. We won't go very far um, before we run into another blessing uh, from the Lord. Um, but but uh, we will cover some very important uh, topics. In, at the end of Revelation uh, 14, we see Jesus uh, arrive uh, with, a, with a sickle, and then we also see an angel that is called in with a, with a sharp uh, sickle, and there is a harvest you know, that takes place. Uh, there, um, we won't get into that this morning, but maybe at some other time we'll we'll revisit uh, that passage of scripture. But then, as you roll into uh, chapter fifteen, 
starting at verse 1, I'm going to, again, I'm going to read uh, some just here from, from the pages, and then I'll read some for sake of time uh, off, of the, off of the screen. So if you've got your phone open, uh, you can follow along, or your actual Bible with paper pages open, you can, uh, you can follow along. Um, if you're a teenager, uh, make sure you're sitting beside someone so they can look. Make sure you're not playing uh, whatever it is you play. I don't know. No, no Minecraft in church. You can, you can save that for after. Um, I'm just kidding. Tanner, you're over there by yourself, so you better be good. You be, yeah. <laughs> uh, Revelation 15, verse 1, uh, John says, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last, uh, because with them God's wrath is completed. So John sees these seven angels with the seven last plagues. If, if you remember, the... Uh, in Revelation chapter 6, Jesus has taken the scroll with the seven seals that no one can open except Him. And He, in Revelation 6, opens the first seal and opens, opens all seven of them. Um, you know, as, he, as, as the story goes on, He opens the second one and the third one. And as He opens the seals, uh, there are things that take place. Like the, the first four seals, now there is a call to come forward and the and the four horsemen come forward riding on uh, their different horses and then and then the fifth seal is a is is a vision that he sees of those who are martyred in heaven. I'm going to flip over there and, and read that to you just so you can just so you can remember um, what it says in Revelation six, starting at verse nine. Uh, when he opened the fifth seal, Jesus opening the seals. John saw, I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until, the judge, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. These are, these are the martyrs whose, whose blood has been, who have been slain and have shed their blood for the cause of Christ. And, and, and John sees their souls and them calling out for justice because of their, because of their blood that was slain and, and saying to the Lord, how long will it be before you judge the inhabitants and avenge our blood? Then verse 11 says, Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So these are the martyrs who have, who have been slain for the name of Jesus. The world has, has shed their blood uh, because of the cause of Christ. And they're calling out for justice. They're told to wait because there are more who will be killed for the cause of Christ and whose blood will be shed by the world uh, for for the gospel of Jesus' name. So that's the fifth seal. Then the, the sixth seal is opened. And then the seventh uh, seal brings about, um, plays out with the calling of or, or, or the emerging of seven angels who are given seven trumpets. So, so first you have the seven seals. That leads to the seven 
trumpets. And then much like the seals, uh, the trumpets play out with the, with the blowing of the trumpet and then comes a plague, comes a, a judgment, comes the wrath of God uh, poured out. And the, and the six uh, trumpets are sounded and then the seventh trumpet is sounded, and the and there's and there's kind of a break in the action, and we have we have uh, you know Revelation twelve and thirteen and fourteen uh, before we see anything take place from the sounding of the seventh trumpet, and it seems like then that here in Revelation fifteen the the result of this of the seventh trumpet sounded comes these. Uh, seven angels with the seven last plagues, and we will see uh, how the how the rest of this plays out. So, the, so you've had the six seals, you've, you've the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and now we're nearing the end. All that's left are the seven uh, last plagues from these seven angels. In verse two, uh, John sees something else uh, going on, and, and he says, "I saw." What looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. So now John sees a, a, a crowd uh, close next to a next to a sea of glass that looks like it's mixed with fire. Don't you love John uh, seeing these amazing sights and trying to explain? Uh, what it is that he's seeing, uh, and uh, and 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 he sees that those who are standing by the sea, he sees who they are. That they are those who have been victorious over the beast and his image, and the number of his name. Which we remember, uh, the Antichrist is going to uh, set up reign uh, on earth and set up false religion, and then will require everyone to receive his mark, 666, uh, to, to do anything at all. And if they don't receive his mark or worship his image, they will be killed. So here John sees those who have, who have been victorious and stood against him and not received the mark of the beast, but have been slain, their blood shed for not worshiping the mark of uh, for not worshiping the beast or the mark of the beast. I'm going to flip back over to Revelation 13 and just read that for you uh, so that you are reminded of it, starting in verse 15, Revelation 13, uh, 15. Uh, he was given, this is talking about the, the false prophet, he was given power to give birth to the image of the first beast, because uh, they had set this up, so that, uh, so that, uh, so that it could speak and caused all who refused to worship the image to be killed. So here we see that, that everyone who is, there's an image of the beast that's set up, that everyone who doesn't worship the image of this beast is slain, is killed. And verse 17 uh, or, or 16 says that he also forced everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slain, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, the number of his name, uh, 666, which 18 goes on to explain is 666. So, so here uh, there, is, there has come upon the earth a time where an image is set up, and if you don't worship that image, you are killed. 
And a mark is given, and if you don't take the mark on your, on your, on your right hand or your forehead, you're, you're, you're killed or, or you're not able to do anything so that you can't hardly live. And, and what John sees in, in chapter 15 are those who have died from this, gathered by this sea, you know, mixed, uh, mixed uh, with fire. It, it, it's, it's very similar you know, all throughout Revelation, there is there is a connection to Babylon, and this this doesn't this remind you of Nebuchadnezzar setting up the gold image and saying setting up the the image and saying everyone who who bows and worships will be fine. Everyone who doesn't is thrown into the fiery furnace. And you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refuse to bow, and they are thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, the Lord saves them from that furnace, but in this day, the Lord will, will deliver by allowing them to, to be killed and, and bring them into their eternal home in that in that way, so we don't know what God will do in the in each and individual person's uh, life. But this is going to be a difficult uh, time uh, for the righteous. But but if you find yourself in that time, and I hope none of you do, again, let me say, do not take the mark of the beast. Do not worship this image, his image. It is better to go to the flames and perish for the cause of Christ and be counted among the righteous who are standing by the sea of glass mixed with fire than it would be to take the mark of the beast and come under the judgment of the Lord. So John sees this, if we go back to chapter 15, he sees this number of those who are victorious over the beast, and then he sees that they held harps given them by God, verse 3, and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And here's the song that they sing. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. So before, so John sees these seven angels, the seven plagues. And then before he sees anything else, he sees those who have been martyred during, the, during the, the time of the mark of the beast. And then he sees that they are singing. And what they are singing is that great and marvelous is everything that God does. And just and true are his ways. Declaring, even though they have, been, even though they have stood against the beast and they have still perished because of this, declaring that they recognize that God is just and He is true. Now, this really prepares the way for these last plagues that come because God is going to pour out His judgment and His wrath on the wicked. And, and it's important for us to see that He is just in everything that He does. That He is right and just and true in doing this. And those who are singing this song, the song of Moses and of the Lamb, recognize that what God has done is just and what God is about to do is just. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Verse 4, um, I'm still in chapter 15. Uh, who would not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy, 
All the nations will come and worship before you, and your righteous acts have been revealed. That God is just, He is true, He is righteous, His acts are righteous, and that He is worthy of glory and honor. Verse 5, After this I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the testimony, was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God. Just maybe important to read that again. Seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God. Not full of the mercy of God, filled with the wrath of God. Again, what is about to come, you will see God is just in bringing. Filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were Completed. So now as you get into uh, Revelation 16, you know, we see the unfolding of uh, these, these seven plagues. I'll read these uh, off the screen so we can all uh, hang together and, and follow along right here. Revelation 16 verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. So now they've been given freedom to do this. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, just in, in the midst of this, this declaration of God's justice, you are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who were and you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. See, the angel comes forward and and, and says, you know, the Lord's turned the sea to blood, the rivers and the springs uh, to blood, these wraths have, and he says, you're just in doing this because they had a thirst for the blood of your saints and have shed the blood of your saints, and so now you have given them blood to drink just as they deserve. Now, if you were to flip over one chapter to Revelation 17, you would see that, uh, that you would see the woman, the, the great prostitute who is on the beast, and in Revelation 17, verse 6, it says this, about the woman, we're not going to get into all that, but we, but we will say this about her, that John saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of those who bore the testimony 
to Jesus, who bore the testimony of Christ. So, the, so, the, so this woman that you see is, is drunk on the blood of the martyrs, drunk on the blood of the saints, has a desire for the shedding of their blood. So now we see God pouring out his wrath and his judgment, and you can clearly see that it is just because they have shed the blood of the saints, and now God is giving them blood to drink as they deserve. And there's this declaration of the justice of God, that he is right and just and true, and his, and his acts are righteous. So here we continue. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments, that what has been done is right and just and true, that God's judgments are right and just and true, and when we bring all this together, we can clearly see, not that God needs our approval, but that we can clearly see that they are, for the shedding of blood, they are now receiving blood. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and let me just say this, by the way, as, as, we, as we look back over, over time, and, and you could hear story of martyr after martyr after martyr after martyr whose blood has been shed for the cause of Christ. And, and we think that God doesn't see that, that God doesn't know it, that God doesn't remember every one who perished for his name. What, I wonder what the sound in God's ear is. The blood crying out from the ground of every martyr. If, if, just, if just Abel's blood, when Cain killed him, cried out to God. What is the sound now that God hears? The blood of thousands upon thousands of those who have, whose, whose blood has been shed for the cause of Christ. What is the sound that he hears? And, and there comes a point in time where, where in Revelation 6, those who have been slain in heaven are saying, God, are you not going to do anything? When are you going to do something? And, and God says, be patient, be patient. I hear you. I have heard you and the time is coming when I will bring judgment and it will be just. And God is just in his judgment and who, else, who could say other than that? Who could come against God and call him unjust? God has been patient and has waited as his people for generations have been slaughtered. And now he gives the world blood as they deserve for the shedding of the blood of his saints. Verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. You see, even the sun is under God's control in, God command, in God's command, and it will not scorch until God allows it to scorch. One of the reasons why the, why the sun doesn't burn us up is because God holds it back right now. Even the sun under his command is allowed now to scorch people with fire. Do you, do you want to be here for this? Do you want to be under this? Shouldn't you hear the call of the Spirit and the bride come and drink of the free gift of the water of life? Verse 9, they were, 
seared by the intense heat, and they curse the name of God. Mm. Who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify Him. Instead of repenting and, and glorifying Him, they, they cursed Him because of the things that, that are coming upon Him, that are coming upon them. This, this is the pattern. It's, it's no repentance, uh, conf- re- refusing to do it, refusing to repent. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne uh, of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but again, they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its, waters, its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. So not, all, not only is water turned to blood, but water is also dried up, uh, preparing for what is to come. Uh, then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs and they go out into the kings they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. Now here we come to to verse 15 and to the blessing. Now if you're if your Bible is a red-lettered Bible, then this should be in red, because this is here in Revelation chapter 16, Jesus interjecting and speaking. It's, it's powerful, because we see John seeing this vision of the last plagues poured out upon mankind, and God's wrath and judgment, and as as we're full into that, and you see the preparing for the, for the final battle that is to take place, Jesus pauses the narrative and interjects. And I, and I know the book, the whole book is spoken to us, the church, the reader. But right here, it's, it's clear that Jesus stops everything and speaks to the reader. Speaks to knowing that that this, this is not tied up in what's going on. This is to those who are reading about what is going on. It's not that Jesus is going is to pause and speak to the earth's population that, that are having these plagues poured out upon them and say, look, or, or uh, older translations say, behold. I, I just like it better for some reason. I know it's the same thing, but look, behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Jesus doesn't speak this to those who remain. Jesus is speaking this to those who are reading this. He's speaking this to us and saying, yes, here are the just judgments of God poured out upon the wicked. But look, that doesn't have to be you. Remember, I 
am coming, and I am coming like a thief, and blessed are those who, if we summarized, blessed are those who are ready when I come. I don't know, I don't know what else this could be speaking of. Other than what Jesus refers to in Matthew 24 and in Matthew 25, where he says, Be ready, I'm coming. He says, Two are walking in a field, and one will be taken, and the other remain. Or two women will be working, and one taken, and the other remain. And blessed are those who are awake and clothed and ready for when I return. I know there's a lot of disagreement about the rapture. I don't want to get into all of that. But this speaks of Jesus' coming and snatching the church up out of this tribulation before it takes place. Because there is not for us condemnation or judgment or punishment. We are in Christ Jesus. We are liberated from all of that. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Yes, I am absolutely pre-trib rapture. I believe Jesus is coming, and, 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 and He is coming, and nothing else has to take place. The only thing that needs to happen is for you to be ready. Because He could come today, or He could come tomorrow. I know everybody kind of rolls their eyes when preachers say that. He could come this afternoon, but I'm not the one who says it. It's Jesus himself who breaks off the pages. And in in this time, in chapter 16, as the wrath of God is being poured out, Jesus says, hold up, time out. Time out. To all you who are listening, to all you who are reading, I want you to remember right now that I am coming and you, all you need to do is be ready. And if you're ready and you're awake and you're clothed, then you don't have to worry about the seven angels with the seven last plagues, these bowls of God's unfiltered wrath poured out upon mankind doesn't have to be your concern. It's Jesus who says at the end of the book, it's Him who says, who, who says yes, I am coming soon. And, and tells us, reminds us that He is coming And we are to be ready. It's the deception of the times. Of the Antichrist. Of our enemy, the red devil dragon. It's his deception that says, "Ah, He's been saying that for years. He's been saying He's coming. Preachers preachers have been getting wound up and shouting that He's coming. Been doing it for years. Where is it? I don't see it. Go and read 2 Peter 3. That's the deception that the world gets into. Everything goes round and round like it always has. When is this coming that you're talking about? I don't see it. Where is it? I don't know when it is, but I know without a doubt that it is. And there will be a day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus calls and the dead in Christ are raised first and those who are still alive called up with them and we will be together, meet with our Savior in the air and forevermore shall we be with Him. And I want to go when that trumpet sounds. When Jesus calls, I want to be called. I do not want to stay 
for Jesus cracking open the seven seals and handing out the seven trumpets and giving the seven bowls of God's wrath, you do not want to be a part of this. Could you imagine what will take place if the seas are turned to blood and every living thing in them dies? We can't even handle a little virus. What will we do if there's no food coming from the oceans and no water to drink? I don't want to be here, and we don't have to. The Spirit and the bride say, come. All who hears, come right now and drink of the free gift of the water of life. Jesus speaks a blessing, and he says, he says, blessed. He reminds us that he's coming. He reminds us that he comes like a thief. That many people are going to be caught unaware. Even we might be caught off guard by his coming. We might be caught surprised, but we shouldn't be caught not ready. We need to be found ready. We might, we might end up like with him in heaven and be like, whoa, I was not expecting that. Like, you know, I was just, I was just running the jigsaw or mowing the grass or washing the dishes. And here I am with Jesus in the air. I, that kind of caught me off guard. But we may be caught off guard, but not caught not ready. We've got to be found ready. And he says, blessed are those who are ready when I come. Now, to end this morning, I think it would be fitting for us to, to take a moment and just look at what is needed to be found ready. And Jesus gives us two things. Here he says to be, to be found awake and not asleep. Don't you, you ever around some Christians and you think, are you guys even awake? Do you even see what's going on? Or are you asleep? This is, this is not a time to be found asleep. It's a time to be awake. And, and then he says, clothed, so that you're not naked and shamefully exposed. Now certainly he doesn't mean natural sleep and natural clothes. All right, It's okay to go to bed tonight and sleep. Probably doesn't need to be said, but I'll say that anyway. Just don't want anybody trying to stay up until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not, we need sleep. That's fine. If He comes while we're naturally sleeping, if we're ready spiritually, we'll be okay. And certainly He doesn't mean that, that we can't be found not naturally clothed. Like you don't have to wear your clothes in the shower and, and worry about Jesus coming. You're, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. But he's talking about being clothed in righteousness. So when he says awake, what does he, what does he mean? I think a, a good uh, passage of Scripture that speaks to this and gives us some help uh, is found in, in Ephesians chapter 5. And certainly you should, you should go and read Matthew 24 and, and Matthew uh, 25. Uh, one of the things I think we should probably be doing to be ready is to read Scripture and find out what we need to do to be ready. Uh, but Ephesians 5, uh, starting at verse 8, we'll read down through this. Paul's going Paul's gonna to speak to us being awake and, uh, and, and, and we know that you know, he speaks here to light and dark 
darkness, and, and these things are, you know, most people, we sleep when it's dark, we're awake when it's light. For you who were, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So here we're getting good instruction on what it means to be awake, uh, that, we are, that we are living as children of light. We recognize that, we've, that we, have, uh, have, we have been brought out of darkness into light, and, uh, and we see here what the fruit of, lightness of, uh, the fruit of light looks like, goodness, righteousness, and, and truth, uh, continuing on, and find out what pleases the Lord. That's a good instruction, isn't it? We should be, we should be searching and seeking to find out uh, how the Lord wants us to live, what pleases Him. I, I don't know how many are doing that, but that's a, that's a good pursuit. Uh, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather uh, expose them. Uh, again, you know, we see this, this coming out of the world, and that we are not to uh, desire the things of the world or, or the fruitless deeds of the darkness. And man, I could go off into that, but it's another sermon for another day. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why uh, it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So uh, Paul quoting right there Isaiah 26, uh, saying, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Don't, don't be found asleep. Wake up. Don't be found dead. Be found uh, living, and Christ will shine uh, on you. And then, and then there's this instruction that has so much to do with being awake. This is, this is a good look at what awake people look like, uh, found in verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So just pause right there a second and, and, we'll, and we'll see some instruction uh, here on, on what it means to be awake. Awake people are very careful how they live. Asleep people are carefree. Awake, we want to be careful. We don't want to be carefree. And then there is the unwise, not as unwise, but as wise. Awake people are living in the wisdom of the Lord, led by the wisdom of the Lord, full of the wisdom of God, not as, not as unwise or, or foolish. Verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They're, they're awake people are, are about the Lord's business. Like if you read what Jesus says in Matthew 24 and 25, what, you, what you'll find is that those who are ready are, are servants who are about the master's business. When he returns, will he find his servant about his business or will he find his servant doing something else? Will his servant be found doing something else? Will his servant have had let their oil run out and their lamp's light go out? Will his servants have buried their talent and done nothing with it? Will he find his servants making the most of every opportunity about what God has called them to be about? Because the days are evil. Continuing on into uh, 
17 or 16? Which verse, whatever verse is next. There we go, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The, those who are awake, again, are not foolish, uh, but are wise, and they are seeking an understanding of God's will in their life. We want to be found ready. We want to be found uh, awake. We want to be found seeking God's will. I know I'm throwing a lot out here on you, but, but if you want to be found ready, then you should take time to study these things out yourself and uh, maybe make a list of things. You know, I'm gonna be, If I'm going to be doing something, I'm going to be found doing uh, these things. And we'll also get into this more next Sunday as well. Understand what the Lord's will is. So we've got, so we've got a, we're, we're, we're careful, we're not carefree, we're wise, we're not uh, foolish, uh, and we are uh, endeavoring best we can to be living in the will of God for our lives. The will of God uh, for uh, our marriage, the will of God for our families, the will of God for our church, the will of God for our lives. And then there's verse 18 that says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Awake people are not drunk on the things of this world that influence us to sin and to the sinful nature. Awake people are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus saying to us, look, look, I come like a thief in the night. Be ready. Don't be found asleep. Be found awake. Be found living, filled with the Holy Spirit. There are far too many Christians who are who are longing for and desiring the, the, the filling of the things of this world. It's not for us. It's for us to abandon that and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, why our pursuits are, are so off base? Let's, let's be people who understand the will of God and who are living filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what awake people do. Now, I want to give you homework, some more homework. I know I'm throwing a ton out there. Go read 19, 20, 21. Go read through the rest of, on your own, Ephesians 5, and, and, and see as, the, as Scripture speaks to awake people, what you will see as you read that is the call of God on our lives to the church, to be a part of the church, to be an encouraging, life-giving member of the church, to speak to one another and sing to one another spiritual songs, to submit to one another. And then you will also see the importance of the family, the family and the church, to be, to be passionate about those things and part of those two things and, 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 and not forsake those two things and we'll be found uh, wake people and not asleep people at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then secondly, uh, Jesus says that we are to be found clothed. That we are to, to, to not be found uh, naked. That we are to be found wearing uh, clothing. And, and again, certainly not speaking of our clothing, um, you know, our natural clothing that, that we put on, uh, but of, of, a, of a different uh, clothing and the clothing that we need has got to be the right garments. The um, 
the statement that is made uh, in Isaiah 64. I want to read this to you. Uh, Isaiah, I'm almost done, 64, 5 and 6. You know, somebody scolded me the other day and said, you shouldn't say you're almost done if you're not almost done. But I, I like, am almost done. I didn't say I was going to be quickly done, but I said I'm almost done. Mm. Verse 5. This is, this, is, uh, this is from Isaiah 64. You, you, you know this when I get into it. You'll, you'll remember it. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when, you, but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? It's much like the, the question that Paul asks uh, in, in Romans 7, when he, when he says, how can we be saved? Who can, who can save me from, my, from myself? Here, uh, this question asked in Isaiah, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. It's a powerful passage of Scripture right here. Because, because what we'll often run to, and one of the questions that many people often have when they recognize that when Jesus comes, i got to be found clothed and not naked, is to cover themselves with their righteousness, with their works. But here Scripture says that our righteous acts, not, not, not our sinful acts, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Like if we try to stand before God or, or to be found ready when Jesus comes, clothed in our good works, that to Jesus and to God the Father is nothing more than filthy racks. You, you remember, uh, we'll get into it more next week, but in Matthew 22 where, where there is the wedding banquet and there is the one found at the wedding banquet who's clothed but he's not clothed with wedding clothes and he's thrown outside. We've got, to be, we've got to not only be clothed, but we've got to be clothed in, in wedding clothing. We've got to be clothed in worthy clothing. We've got to be clothed in something more than filthy rags. And it's not our works. It's not our, our own labor to be righteous. That is as filthy rags. When Paul declared in Philippians that as far as legalistic righteousness goes, he was flawless. What he was saying is that when it comes to dotting every I and crossing every T of the law, Paul said, I'm flawless. I do it all. And Paul's flawless legalistic righteousness is as filthy rags. It is not wedding clothing. It's not ready for the call of God clothing. It's not, it's not clothing that the people and the saints of God wear. And if we clothe ourselves in anything, even our own labor works righteousness, it to the Lord is as filthy rags. And what about if we were to clothe ourselves in some, in some man-made clothing? some man-made, uh, fashioned idea or thought that would clothe us in, in rags made by man. What are some other 
other religions out there that are man-made religions that try to clothe our nakedness with man-made ideas, those are as filthy rags as well. There is only one garment, there is only one clothing that we can clothe ourselves in that makes us ready for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it is His righteousness that we be clothed not in ours or in any man-made thing or in any deception of the enemy. You, you go back to the Garden of Eden. What did they try to do to cover their nakedness? Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. And God says that won't even temporarily do. And God gave them an, an animal garment to clothe them, shed the blood of an animal garment to, cur- to, to temporarily clothe them. Even their temporary man-made effort was not good. They needed God's temporary effort to cover them and cover their nakedness. So we've got to be clothed, not in anything, not in anything this world can offer, or our own righteousness. It's as filthy rags. We've got to be clothed in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus has done at the cross. He took our filthy rags on Himself and shed His blood for them. And He gave us His garment of righteousness that we might be clothed not in our righteousness or in some man-made idea of righteousness, but clothed in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is worthy who is so worthy that he can approach the throne of God and take from God's right hand the scroll sealed with the seven seals and the garment that he is clothed in, we are clothed in. Dare Esther approach the throne of the king clothed in filthy rags. No, she better be dressed in the right garment. And dare we approach the throne of God in anything other than the garment of the clothing of the only holy, worthy Lamb of God. Man. And He has taken my garment and given me His. This is, this is seen in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him Jesus. Remember when you see Him in in Revelation 5, he, He is seen as a Lamb who was slain. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. God took my sin. He took it and gave me his righteousness so that I might become the righteousness of God. And stand before the throne of God, not in filthy rags, but clothed in the garments of Christ. And, and, and worthy to stand there because of everything that Jesus has done. We, we are not found ready for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if we are clothed in anything other than His garments of righteousness. 
And we are reminded that His garment of righteousness is freely available to anyone who will come. To anyone who will ask. To all who will abandon their filthy rags and, 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 and run to Jesus for salvation and say, I am a sinner. Take my sin. Give me your righteousness. Count me among your people. Lead me to live to bring you glory and honor. Help me to be found ready for when you come that I might be taken and escape the judgment and the wrath that is coming on the wicked. Verse, if we back up to verse 20, it makes so much sense now, doesn't it? When you think about all that's coming, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. That's, that's God really through the church saying, Come. Come and drink the free gift of the water of life. Come and, and clothe yourselves in the garment of Christ, in his righteousness, and be found ready and be found worthy to come and be my people in my home and live with me for etern eternity. We are God's ambassadors, though God making his appeal through us. This is why this makes sense. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We, we implore you. We call out to you. We cry to you. We beg you. We, we plead with you. Come and be reconciled with God. He is coming. It will be soon. I don't know when. I may see it. I may not, but I want to be found ready either way. Whether he comes and calls me home through the rapture or comes and calls me home through the perishing of this body, one way or the other, I want to be found ready when he calls. And we'll be found ready if we're found awake and we're only awake when we are awake in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we'll be found ready if we are found clothed in His garments of righteousness. Let's be people who are awake. Let's be people who are clothed in Jesus. Let's be people who are ready. And you may say this morning, I don't know that I'm ready. Well, today we can take care of that as well. Let's pray together. Eyes closed and... Eyes closed and heads bowed. If you're watching online, just pray with us. If you're listening to the podcast, just pray with us. And let's just offer our hearts and lives to the Lord and recommit our lives to Him, each and every one of us. I know when, when I read of the judgments and wrath of the Lord in Scripture, a little bit of the fear of the Lord stirs in my heart and it leads me, even though I am secure in my salvation and am not worried about losing it, it leads me still to, to cry out to the Lord and, and say, save me and be Lord in my life. Let's pray this morning, each and every one of us, and make Jesus Savior and Lord of our lives. Will you pray with me? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are Savior and Lord, my only hope, my only salvation, the only one 
worthy of living my life for. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Take my sin-stained garments. Clothe me in your righteousness. Jesus, be Lord in my heart. Help me every day to live for you. Lord Jesus, lead me to be found ready when you should call me. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you uh, for just committing your life to the Lord. And uh, thank you for every day passionately serving Him. I wanted to um, pray for the Allens this morning. Do you feel comfortable? Do you want to come or you just want to sit? You're comfortable, right? You good? And if you'll just stretch out your hand uh, toward them, toward Donna's representing the whole family here this morning. Donna and, and Maverick are both representing. <laughs> just stretch out your hands, please. Let's pray your blessing. And, uh, let's pray the Lord's blessing and guidance and help in every way. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for... Uh, for Donna and Brandon and, and their love for you and their uh, desire to commit their lives and their family to you, Lord. And we pray that you would bring your blessing upon them, your protection uh, round about them, that you'd go and bring, uh, before them and bring about every uh, victory, Lord, that you'd give them uh, your guidance and your help, that you'd fill their hearts with your joy and, and your peace. We pray your blessing down upon, uh, upon them, and, uh, and flowing down upon Asher and down upon Maverick as well. Uh, the blessing of the Lord, the, the anointing of the Lord poured out on this family, on the head, down uh, upon the whole uh, family. We pray in Jesus' uh, mighty name. And as, as, as Donna and Brandon lead in serving you, uh, that their boys will follow their example and will faithfully serve you all of their days. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord Lord, bless them and help them with the coming of a new child in every way that they, that they need your help, Lord. We pray that you would be right there moving in their behalf. We thank you for this, Jesus. In, in your mighty name I pray, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Please uh, hang out with us and, uh, and bless Donna and celebrate baby Maverick coming. God bless you. Uh, see you next Sunday.